Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Global Captive Podcast, supported by legacy specialists R&Q and presented by me, Richard Kutcher. So a couple of weeks ago, we dived into the Asia-Pacific captive insurance market, hearing from speakers on a range of topics from Hong Kong, Singapore and Australia. And if you missed that episode and want to check it out, then do just scroll back down our archive to GCP 47. And so staying true to our title, The Global Captive Podcast, this week we are heading to Latin America, where over the following 30 minutes or so, we'll be joined by guests from Brazil, Mexico and Colombia. In the second half, uh, we'll be hearing from Julian Avia, practice leader for Aon Captive and Insurance Management in Latin America, while our captive owner interview is with Rene Martinez-Flores, Global Director of Insurance and Risk Management at Mexico's multinational building materials giant, Semex. But first, I am delighted to introduce our guest co-host, Adriana Scherzinger, Head of International Program Business and Commercial Insurance in Latin America for Zurich Insurance Company. Adriana, we have been talking since, uh, I think, end of last year about putting this episode together. So really delighted to, to finally get it together and, and welcome onto the podcast. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for welcoming me to this LATAM episode. Really excited to hear more about uh, this kind of growing region for, for captive insurance. And as we're heading into a hard market, which we'll touch upon in a moment, uh, I think we're all expecting to see further captive formations out of, out of the region. I guess a good place to start, though, would be traditionally, Adriana, what kind of companies have been quickest to embrace captives in, in Latin America? In the past, captives were the prerogative of the largest Latin America bank and state-owned oil companies. More recently, captives are increasingly being used as sophisticated risk management solution in many different industries. As businesses expand beyond their home countries into other parts of Latin America, risk managers are looking at alternative ways to address the long-term issues associated with those increasingly global complex exposures. In Latin America, we are also seeing that more and more companies have been looking at captives, including small to medium-sized companies. This was the case right before the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's expected to continue. And so what lines of insurance are, do we typically see written through Latin American-owned captives? Is it broadly similar to the, the kind of lines of insurance we see from European and American companies? Yes, we see captives being used in many different parts of an organization function beyond the traditional property and casualty insurance. For example, captive owners are adding new and emerging risks such as life, employee benefits, financial lines, cyber, also to the current commercial market environment and their increased exposures. And obviously, we're, we're about 18 months uh, into, a, into a hardening market. Again, we hear from all around the world that this is, in, this is kind of driving more conversations and more interesting captives. Again, it, how has the hardening market impacted kind of the question about captives in Latin America? The hardening market is surely motivating risk managers to take a more serious look at self-insurance. As rate for traditional insurance increase, limits are cut back, captives are viewed as an ideal addition to their portfolio of reinsurance solutions. Increasingly, both new and existing Latin America captive owners are using their underwriting capacity to fill gaps in cover where no capacity is available in the insurance market or they insure risks that are too expensive. 
And from what countries then do you see most potential for growth in new formations? We're going to hear from Julian later about the types of domiciles Latin American companies typically go to. But what countries in the Latin American region do you expect to see most growth in captive utilization? While the Latin America captive insurance market is, as today, far smaller than those in the US and in Europe, captive structures are known in the region. My broad expectation, Richard, is that the use of those alternative risk vehicles will continue to increase. There is a notable interest in formation in optimization of the varied captive structures, single parent reinsurance captives, protected cell captives, particularly coming from Colombia, Mexico, and Brazil. And those countries are receiving the most efforts from the captive server sectors and promoters. Insurance and service providers are invested tremendously on resources into training and education for growth in Latin America's captive industry. Well, one of those existing uh, captives from Latin America is Semex, which has a large global footprint and is the multinational Mexican building materials company. Adriana and I were delighted to be joined by their global director of insurance and risk management, Rene Martinez Flores, who began by providing a brief background on the group's captive. Semex began having a capital operation in 1997 in Bermuda. 20 years later, in 2017, we transferred our captive operations to Barbados. At the beginning, we started having two programs in the captive, property and the marine package. The strategy at that time was to use the captive as a vehicle to interact directly with the London and the Bermuda reinsurance market having a small net retentions. In other words, we have you know, a significant retentions. However, we, we acquire uh, reinsurance in order to protect the uh, captive balance sheet. Over the years, we have included more programs, our liability uh, in the US, works compensation in the US, global general liability, UK employees liability, non-US employees benefits, and surety bonds in Mexico and Colombia. We don't use the captive as a vehicle to, to, to interact uh, with the uh, reinsurance market. So in other words, our net captive retentions are significantly higher. Yeah, interesting. And how do you decide then what level of retention you are taking into the captive and, and how often are, are the programs that you're writing renewed in terms of the, the most efficient uh, retention to take? I mean, we do it every year. However, formally, we do it every three years. We contract the services of a specialist. The idea is to estimate what is the uh, risk performance optimization. We undertake a stochastic risk modeling, the Monte Carlo simulation. We have a, you know, a robust data system. We have, you know, 10 years or 10 plus years of claims history uh, from, you know, all, all lines. So we understand, we believe that we understand our uh, portfolio dynamic. And also we combine the outputs uh, with, uh, I would say, with broker, uh, with our broker, uh, our global uh, brokers that we use, like a, a broker brainstorm, let me say, with uh, the, what is the uh, market pricing, pricing that, they are, uh, that we are facing. In that way, we design what is uh, our optimal, I would say, captive uh, retention points by program, and then on a combined basis. 
So you, you mentioned insurance rates right there, and of course we are in a, a hard and hardening insurance market. Um, how has how has your captive reacted or responded or, or been able to to help Semex uh, as you as you navigate this hard insurance market? Yeah, absolutely. We're facing a very uh, interesting times, uh, hardening insurance market, as you said. Again, it's an, on a program by program basis. Uh, some programs remain the same. Uh, some programs, yes, we increase our our retentions, specifically in the uh, auto liability in the U.S. Again, our I would say our data management system gives us the uh, capability to to model the implication of increasing our retention versus what is the uh, the impact of the insurance market pricing. So it sounds, Rene, like the, the captive really has evolved and grown over time, as you say, quite a long history, and you write many, many lines of insurance for it now. Are there any uh, new lines of insurance that you're considering writing the, through the captive or, or lines that w- which you haven't previously written through the captive that you're now considering? Yes, Richard. Specifically, we are reviewing the cyber liabilities uh, and the employee's practice liability. The only implications that, that we are facing is that we don't have a significant claims data in those programs because they are somehow new programs to us. So we want to, to feel more comfortable with time in order to consider having these programs in, in the captain. But it's something that it will happen in just a matter of time. And we hear a lot, one of the most distressed lines uh, at the moment in the insurance market is directors and officers insurance. And, and it's it's a line which often divides opinion amongst uh, insureds and, and captive owners as to whether it should go into a captive. Is, is that a line which you've discussed internally that you, you could approach the captive for or would that not be your approach? Is uh, I, I totally agree with, with, with your comment. No question about it. It's something that we are reviewing. It's a concept that some people in senior management doesn't feel comfortable or returning the DNO program into the captive. Uh, something that we are doing, we are increasing our deductibles instead of using the uh, captive. Uh, but it's something that we're reviewing. Yeah, interesting. And Adriana, it'd be interesting to hear what Zurich's position is when it comes to, uh, I presume, fronting DNO for for a captive. We do front side B and C DNO, Richard, but not side A DNO, the non-indefinable loss, mainly because the corporate law of many countries prohibits indemnification of directors and officers by the company itself, which extends also to the affiliated entities. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one, I think, it's a topic, I think, which we'll, we'll hear debated further over the next uh, couple of years regarding captive's role in, in DNO. Rene, just, just lastly, obviously, as you said, the captive is very sophisticated. It writes many lines of insurance and, and globally for the business. How do you ensure then that that the Semex group continues to, to understand the value and the purpose of the captive to, to continue to justify its role and, and its existence? Total open and constant communication to continue management. Uh, we have a committee, a captive committee. That way we uh, made the decision as a committee. We review the captive performance in the committee, you know, uh, from uh, the amount of premiums that we are charging operations, the amount of claims that we are paying to operations, what is the, uh, the speed once a country is paying the, the local premiums, how fast those premiums go into the captive, like a working capital uh, calculation point of view, how fast uh, from 
a claim that is being paid by the captive uh, goes all the way to our operations. Again, no surprises, but also we estimate the, uh, again, the value that the captive is uh, creating on a quarterly basis. Paul, they say there's more than one way to skin a cat, and I believe that's also true of offloading legacy liabilities. Yes, Richard, it is. You don't need to sell or dispose of your captive to release capital back to the parent, or indeed to recycle it for future use in the captive. So what are the different options? Well, you can execute a lost portfolio transfer, which is a reinsurance structure, undertake an insurance business transfer, enter into novation or a deductible reimbursement policy. There's a whole range of solutions. And R&Q has experience in all of these types of transactions. Indeed, Richard, that's right. R&Q has completed over 70 legacy transactions with captive insurers and other self-insurance vehicles in traditional offshore jurisdictions, as well as those in the European Union and across the US. For the second year, R&Q is the headline partner for the Global Captive Podcast for 2020. You can find more information and contact details for their experts on globalcaptivepodcast.com. If you have legacy, you should contact R&Q. Thank you to René Martinez-Flores for sharing his insight and experience of the Semex captive. We will be back with Adriana shortly, but first we are going to hear from Julian Avia, practice leader for Aon Captive and Insurance Management in Latin America. Julian is based in Colombia and over the next 10 minutes addresses the primary domicile options favoured by companies in the whole of the continent, the impact of the hard market and COVID-19, as well as the challenges and regulatory obstacles that can make captive programmes a little bit more complex for the region. But he began by explaining how the attitude towards captive insurance from the risk management and corporate community has changed over recent years. The attitude of the American companies and captive insurance has been changing in a very positive way. Years ago, captives were mainly appreciated in LATAM as tax-purpose vehicles that served to the risk management leadership in a subsidiary basis. Were very few those companies that incorporated captive as a cornerstone of the risk management strategy. Nowadays, what we're seeing and we're glad to see this is that Latin American companies are maturing in, in understanding the insurance business and the risk focus. Therefore, now the companies are appreciating insurance as a risk financial instrument, which allow them to integrate different statements of the risk management in a holistic risk framework. Now, Richard, we must bear in mind that a 2020 bring two relevant features, which were very important for, for, for companies and for risk management especially. The first one was hard in market, and the second one, COVID-19. These two features, plus the changes occurring in the risk management side, accelerate the penetration of captive industry in LATAM, and that will be one of the reasons why the attitude is turning so positive. Now, this, this positive variation we are seeing in Latin American companies and, it, and its attitude toward captive industry is also accompanied by the feature that we are now seeing also Latin American companies going cross-border or global companies. And that's one of the moments where a company could be interested in engaging a captive as a risk transfer solution. So now the exploration of the companies through captive goes 
to how they can handle in a better way the traditional insurance and how the captive can serve the traditionally not insurable risk, but that can be supported by a captive as a way of giving a, a, a better understanding of risk financing to the to the boards. Some good reasons there, some good drivers, which which sound familiar from from other regions as well, particularly kind of uh, companies expanding and, and becoming more international. In in terms of the challenges then, or, or obstacles in the way of more captive utilization, what are some of those common challenges which can slow down the the kind of utilization of captives? I may say that the main challenge in LATAM is the regulatory framework. Most of Latin American regulations provide the obligation of issuing insurance with local carriers. These carriers are also obligated to purchase reinsurance with locally registered reinsurers. Now, for being registered as a foreign reinsurer in most of our jurisdictions, the reinsurer must fulfill requirements in connection with credit rating worthiness and also provide evidence on relevant experience. When we talk about captives, captives are not usually rated companies, and its, its experience is basically or goes around their controlling group. So when we when we saw this, what, what we are finding is that a captive must must go through a very strong regulatory regulatory framework regarding how it can issue or cover its own subsidiary group. Now. If we talk about not admitted insurance, it's also important to notice that in most of Latin American countries, those kind of insurance are also forbidden. So when a Latin American company intends to purchase a non-admitted insurance, it finds the same regulatory barriers. So in some cases, companies who want to go through a captive who got to go to a non-admitted insurance on a directly, they might use Holcos, not located in LATAM, who pay the premium and claim losses on behalf of the LATAM-based company. So this makes that, um, that the company must incur in a very long way through uh, to achieve the coverage they are intending to. So we can conclude that Latin America have a very restrictive regulatory framework which disincentives the local companies to purchase insurance from abroad. If they are underwritten by a captive or by a foreign specialized set, uh, market with no direct presence in LATAM. Now, with this challenge, this also appears an opportunity, and it's opportunity for specialized services providers such as Aon or for insurance company with appetite in, in underwriting captive insurance and with familiarity with Latin market, because these insurance companies play a, rele- a relevant role. And h- how they do it, what, what we are seeing, what we are seeing is that those companies, those insurance company and services provider with familiarity and appetite with LATAM owned captives can make a difference for the owners between incorporating a financially feasible capital but not operational due to the lack of insurance support or having a a successfully incorporated captive. When a carrier or insurer has appetite on acting as a local carrier and or as registered insured also, or even going forward and acting as a retrocessioner of the captive, this for this insurance company or for this insurance group appears an important and relevant opportunity because the insurer became an strategic ally of the insurance group in a long-term strategic relationship.
Thanks for outlining that, that Julian. We're gonna. I'll ask Adriana a little bit further on on how Zurich do that exactly, because that is, of course, a, a big challenge in emerging economies sometimes. So, Julian, you, you touched upon the hard knee market as kind of one of the big factors in 2020 that has accelerated th- this conversation. Um, are you are you starting to to hear more encouragement or more motivation from risk managers wanting to find out more about captives and and how? if they're possible for them as a as a direct result of the hard market? Yeah, Richard, definitely hard markets have been an extraordinary promoter of alternative risks transfer solution, either captive or less disruptive solutions, such as self-insurance retention funds or structured reinsurance. Now, now we're finding in Latin America two different types of customers. The first ones are those companies who were already interested in captive solutions, but were not 100% sure of incorporating them. After 2020, these customers, most of them decide to incorporate non-traditional insurance solutions, and that's where Captive gained a lot of attention due to its numerous benefits. The second type of customers are, are those who are just price sensitive. Those customers usually haven't thought about alternative risk transfer, but they understand that incorporating a non-traditional solution can help them to navigate across the volatility of other markets. In both cases, we're seeing clients requesting for disruptive solutions or for incorporating vehicles that allow them to be prepared for facing the volatility of these hard markets. And hard markets, as you know and the listeners know, are affecting most of the line of business. In Latin, we're seeing that almost in every line of business, then we have clients for different industries requesting for solutions. We have clients requesting for solutions in traditional lines such as property, passing through GNO, and now we're seeing a lot of interest in a less common Latin captive underwritten line of business such as credit and insurance. The COVID situation was a promoter also because it, it requests for the companies to incorporate innovative mid to long, long term solutions in every estimate of the organizations. And understanding insurance as a risk financing tool is where captive as a part of the insurance and insurance being a risk financial tool that can give them this innovative solution is gaining a lot of attention of the companies in Latam. I'm aware of of quite a few very very large uh, Latin American multinationals that have captives. Um, of course, is that do you think where the captive concept is restricted to in relation to is it just going to be suitable for the large multinationals in the region, uh, or do you think uh, smaller companies or specific market segments such as healthcare, where captives are so popular in the United States, do you think it, the captive concept will be relevant to, to those groups as well? I, I, f- I think that is not, it's not a specific profile of what the American company interested in captive. It's not about the size of the company, but it's about how the company understands the, the insurance as a risk strategy tool. And there appear a very interesting example of industries where having a risk maturity and therefore understanding the risk exposure and implementing risk strategies is part of the of, of its corporate purpose and is where most of the companies or we're finding most of the interested companies. And there are two very interesting examples. The first one is financial services and the second one is healthcare industry. In both industries, we find clients who are aware of the importance of managing risk of the importance of having KPIs, 
and KRIs. And in that way, they understand that the captive can provide them a solution to a daily, to the daily challenges they are navigating through. So it's, uh, the first thing I would like to, to say is not about the size, it's not about, it's talking just about large companies, but it's talking about companies with an important risk maturity level and with understanding of its risk, risk appetite. Nevertheless, we also have in, in Latin the capital intensive industries with large risk and large insurance programs such as energy power and aviation they also remain as traditional captive customers but it's very interesting to see how those industry industries where risk uh, maturity level and risk appetite uh, are the drivers are where we are finding the, the the most interested customers so then just lastly, Julian, um, obviously everyone has to put their captive somewhere. And like any country or region, there are kind of preferred domiciles, which tend to attract more of the Latin American companies. But also from my initial observation, there's also a nice spread of, of captive domiciles used by uh, Latin American companies, both uh, in Europe, uh, in, in kind of the Caribbean region, and also in, in the US. So where do you see uh, the most heavy group of captives from Latin American region? What are the preferred domiciles for companies? Latin American companies have two important drivers when deciding on domicile. The first one is the tax treaties or the tax treaties. And the second one is the familiarity, familiarity with, with Latin market. Tax treaty as always are relevant because even when the, the um, captive is not a tax planning vehicle, incorporating a captive in a domicile with a negative tax impact may result in a very adverse experience from a financial and, co and corporate perspective. And no one wants to have a negative tax planning experience. And then we have to, there we have to look about which are the countries with tax treaty with double taxation treaties, and which will be the impact of the domicile. So that's the first driver. And the second one is familiarity with Latin American market. For Latin companies, it's very important that the captive manager understand the do's and don'ts of the regulatory framework. And as I mentioned, the main challenge in Latin is definitely the regulatory framework. And it's also important that this manager has partnership with carriers with appetite in Latin. Being said this, currently the most common domiciles for Latin American owned captives are Bermuda and Cayman Island. Both domiciles have a neutral tax impact in most of Latin jurisdiction and are also familiar with, with our market. In these domiciles, we find captive managers with, which are every day more interested in understanding market needs and threats. And therefore, Latin companies feel very comfortable taking these risks to those domiciles. There's also another important thing that I've been talking with different captive owners, and is the fact that in these domiciles, the regulatory authority has credibility, and they are also very close to investors. This makes also Latin companies feel comfortable when thinking about Bermuda or Cayman for incorporating captive. So welcome back to the Global Captive Podcast, where I am joined by Adriana Scherzinger of Zurich Insurance Company. Adriana, Rene provided some excellent insight there on, on how Semex uses its captive. And we heard from Julian uh, a bit more about the drivers and obstacles to captive formations uh, coming out of uh, the Latin American region. In, in your view, what are the challenges that, that make captive utilization a, a little bit more difficult for companies uh, based in the region? 
Although many companies discovered the benefits that a captive can bring, I'm often surprised that the reinsurance captive concept and the different types of captives are not well understood. In addition, there are regulatory barriers in the region which slow down the development of captives. Interest in captives among Latin American companies continue to grow. Still, the absence of regional captive insurance laws leads company to find captive solutions in offshore jurisdictions outside of our region. Legislation in most of countries requires that an insurance coverage is provided by a local admitted carrier, as reinsurance captives are usually not licensed to issue local policies, the risks are initially underwritten by a fully licensed local director insurer. Subsequently, the risks assumed by the direct insurer are partially ceded to the captive on a reinsurance basis. Additional complexities for the captive insurance model are also created by local restrictions on premium tax, reinsurance tax, and withholding tax. On the other hand, Richard, the upside of this is that both of those aspects prompt captives to make it a bulletproof model, therefore reaffirming the fact that captives are a known tax-related scheme. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think Julian touched upon uh, this as well. And you, and you began to touch upon it there in terms of those challenges in captives insuring risk in Latin America from those offshore centers. They obviously need uh, the cooperation of, uh, of a fronting and, and reinsurance partner such as Zurich. So what role would Zurich play in, in facilitate, facilitating effective captive programs for these Latin American companies? As a global leader in the captive space, Zurich as a front insurer and reinsurer of captives can provide the necessary governance and compliance guidance captive owners need globally. We can support customers with starting the process of creating their captive or to ending their captives. In addition, we have experience and knowledgeable claims and risk engineering service to further help our customers manage their captives. Well, uh, thank you. That's, that's fantastic, Adriana, and uh, really good to have that insight. And thank you to you to helping us pull all of this episode together as well. And thank you to all of our guests from Latin America, Julian Avia from Aon, Rene Martinez-Flores of Semex, and of course, Adriana Scherzinger of Zurich. Adriana, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate being here with you and discussing about captives in Latin America. Fantastic. Stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.